Well, welcome to Graceway Baptist Church. This is a Sunday School lesson for January 29th. I know it says 28th in your books, but uh, I don't know what was going on there, what I got in my mind, but uh, it is actually for the 29th, the last Sunday of the first month of this new year. And uh, to do that, the title is A Word to the Older Folks. Now, there was a Time in my life and my ministry where I wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole, but I'm touching it now, and not even with a 10-foot pole. I'm doing it because this is up close and personal to me because I am one of the older folks now. And uh, there are some things in here that uh, I think probably we'll all be able to relate to, and it's also something that I want to be a word to those of us who are older but I also hope for those of you who are uh, teaching this lesson who are younger, I hope it's encouraging to you because I'm looking at things from a perspective of an older person that has a pretty good memory, okay? At least at this point, I do. I remember what it was like to be young. I remember what it was like to have the, well, why not kind of a spirit. I mean, when I was in my 20s, you know, as far as I concer was concerned, we could do anything. And I can remember uh, back, that this would be back during the 80s, I was, um, you know, extremely optimistic and thinking that uh, everything in all of society was just going to get uh, so much better and things seemed to be fun and, you know, all of that. You remember what that was like. And I can also remember what it was like being involved in church work during that time. It always seemed like whatever we kind of wanted to do, the older folks were sort of a stick in the bicycle spokes, so to speak, and uh, kind of derailing everything. And I don't want to be that kind of person. I don't want any of us to be that kind of person. Wise? Yeah. Uh, we've got experience, and sometimes... There does need to be some caution or some thought or some time. But uh, trying to preserve a certain segment of history, uh, listen carefully, is futile. Now, I can remember back in the 80s, I had people that were always trying to kind of make it like it was during the 50s. Well, it was a different time, a different era, different technology, different, you know, problems. And uh, the same thing is true now. We can't preserve the, the 90s for some of you um, or the 80s if you're like I am. It's just, you know, we relate to different things. We relate to styles. We relate to music. We relate to entertainment. We relate to all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, well, you, you just can't preserve it. And number two, you can't really recreate it. What does that have to do with Haggai? I think you'll see it in just a moment. This is not just, I'm not just pulling this out of my head here. There's something that happens here with the remnant, the older people and the younger people that um, I think we need to pay attention to because I think there's a good word in here for us and for our church. It's always too easy to look back to the good old days, the good times. In fact, uh, I've got a thing here. It's kind of funny, but yet it's kind of true. The older I get, the better I was. You ever listen to somebody and uh, the fish got a little bit bigger as the decades went by? The, um, 
uh, I don't know, the length of the run on the football field was just a little bit longer and, and, and you know, a, a better, uh, the winning score maybe, those kind of things. I mean, what, what, what do you think about when you think about these kind of things? Because no matter how old you are, you can probably remember somebody from your youth who would tell you these stories that you would go, how can that possibly be true? And sometimes it was. And you were astounded and sometimes it wasn't. And um, maybe you were a little discouraged. But it does tend to be that way. We tend to romanticize the past. As though that, boy, in the past we had everything right. We sang the right hymns. We had the right kind of preaching. Uh, people dressed the right way that, you know, as if there were no sin. And the truth of the matter is there's always sin. And um, I don't think when we get to heaven... We're going to get there and then find out that it's a 70s party or an 80s party or a 50s party or anything like that. Um, I think we're going to find out just how far short, far short we fell from the glory of God no matter where we were. And it was true in ancient Israel as it is now. So we've got to be careful with this. So the older I get, the better I was is a humorous statement that is somewhat true. But think about it, the good old days, quote-unquote, were not as good as we make them out to be. And in the meantime, and I think this is what is dangerous, please hear me as a, as a senior citizen, okay? In the meantime, we take away the joys of the present generation. We downplay what God is doing now, and we uh, set ourselves up as a standard for how things ought to be. Well, back in my day, you know, well, your day wasn't all that great and wasn't all that blessed of God. Um, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. Okay, here it is. In reality, the sins of today are the fruits of yesterday, the fruits of the quote-unquote good old days. And so I want you to let that sink in. Why are we in the mess that we're in now? Because of the messes that we made back when everything was so extremely wonderful. Well, it wasn't. And there were a lot of seeds planted back then. And there were a lot of things that were done back then. And a lot of things that crept in even into the church. A lot of the stuff that we look at now that we are not real sure about, they started back in the 70s and in the 80s, maybe even in the 60s or even the 50s, we started getting this idea that growth is the standard, growth at any cost. And so then we started saying, well, if you're going to grow, you got to give the people what they want. And then we went into an entertainment venue, and all of that has just accelerated to the point where we are right now. So the fruit of today is probably the seeds that were planted 30, 40 years ago. So uh, let's humble ourselves Instead of getting arrogant when we look at this generation, we raised them and we handed this to them and we wonder why they are the way they are. Boy, we need a move of God. But that's always been the case. Every generation needs a word from God and a movement of God, don't they? So let's read our text. We're in the book of Haggai, uh, as you well know, and uh, we are in chapter 2 starting the second half of the book, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. So if you'll go ahead and take your Bible out 
and uh, you'll go ahead and uh, uh, look at this with me. And it says, In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? Solomon's temple, one of the wonders of the ancient world. Beautiful building. And how do you see it now? now listen to this. In comparison with it, Solomon's temple, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Do you get that? Verse 4. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you. See, the size of the building is not the big deal. The size of the crowd and the population is not the big deal. You have the Lord, therefore you have divine power and divine resources. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. That's what really matters. Verse 5, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. So I think most of you probably see where I'm going with all of this just by my introductory remarks and by uh, what the scripture actually says in here. Because I think there are just some things that are undeniable truths of life, to quote Rush Limbaugh. And here's one of them. Number one, every generation and aspect of society needs to hear from God. And that's found in verse 1. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. That's something like October 17th of, uh, I believe it's 520 B.C., 520 years before Christ was born, that the Lord spoke to them. And uh, he speaks to Zerubbabel always, speaks to um, Joshua uh, every time, and then he speaks to the remnant. And so he covers the religious aspect, and he covers the governmental aspect, and he covers just everyday folks, everyday people, the nobodies. God has a word for every one of them. And uh, we think about how uh, politics, the government, boy, do they ever need a word because politics, well, it's widely recognized in just about every generation and every place as being filled with lies, self-serving people, and uh, corruption. Um, my dad used to say, politics, poly means many, and ticks are bloodsuckers, so many bloodsuckers. Uh, that's the way a lot of people look at it. We uh, see all of the problems that are there. We always think we could do better and that we have the answers. And the truth of the matter is, if we were put in charge of it, we probably wouldn't know what to do. I mean, it's so big and so corrupt and all of that. Um, I don't know how in the world other than a move from God it's ever going to get cleaned up. But God has a word for the politicians, for the government, doesn't he? And uh, he has a word for, well, religion, let's call it. 
Because religion always has a tendency to drift. And usually it uh, doesn't drift in a good way, does it? It drifts toward the left. It drifts toward liberalism. It drifts toward um, anarchy and infidelity, all of those kind of things. Or sometimes it gets in a rut of tradition where all we do is our ritual. We don't know why we do the rituals. We don't know what the rituals mean. Maybe they did mean something, but now it's just we light a candle, we recite a creed, we say a prayer, we do a certain thing, and uh, the heart's gone out of it. It's not really out of love for the Lord or glory of the Lord. And then he speaks to the remnant because this remnant, you, you get the idea in reading this, they see themselves as small, they are insignificant, and powerless compared to the majority. See, remember, most of the Jews stayed in Babylon. And of those that were left in Israel during the, uh, during the uh, exile, they were not the smartest, and they were not the healthiest, and they were not the youngest. They took the brightest, the best, the healthiest, and the youngest, they took them to Babylon. And they were there for 70 years. What was left behind in the land were people who could hardly work and hardly do anything. And they weren't inventors. They weren't innovators. They weren't anything like that. Well, then after the 70 years, when Cyrus the Great lets them come back to build their temple, uh, and probably he's not doing that because he's a lover of God. He's probably doing it because he thinks it'll unify if he lets the people have their own religion, it'll unify and strengthen the Persian Empire. Now, when they come back, there's just a few of them left. Most of them died, I'm sure. And then there were only a few of them that left Babylon to come back to Israel. So you can see how they would look at themselves and say, remember when we had all the workers we needed? Remember when we had all the money that we needed? Remember when we had all of the materials that we needed? And we built that grand and glorious temple under King Solomon. Boy, I wish it were like that again. Boy, those were the good old days. And so now they've laid the foundation of the temple and when they look at that, they look and the older people are going, good night, this is nothing. This is not going to be anything compared to the way that it used to be. Now, when you think about that, they needed a word because I think this is where the root of the problem is and why they have waited 16 years to get started on the temple. I think it's lack of motivation, and I think it probably is a lot of discouragement from the older people. Boy, that's hard pill to swallow, but that's something that we really need to think about. Every generation needs a word from God, and every generation is sinful. Every generation is depraved. Every generation is headed away from the truth and planting seeds of destruction. Every generation needs a word from God. Yeah. Number two, every generation sees the past as preferable to the present, at least at some point. Okay. Now, I'm sure while you're right in the midst of it, when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, when you're maybe in your 20s establishing your family, you might like it just the way it is and wish it could stay that way forever. But at some point, all of that changes. We look and we find the past preferable to the present. Now, were there good things? Of course there were. Were there fun things? Were there happy times and good times? Of course there were. We don't deny anything like that. 
But we were made for such a time as this. And we were made for now. And this is the era in which we live. We can't live in daydreams. We can't live in fantasies. We can't live in all of the dreams and the things of the past. We've got to be real and we've got to live where we are now. Now again, that doesn't mean that some of the wisdom from the past can't be brought up. It just means that we, especially who are older, we can't idolize the past as though it were somehow perfect and today is just so terrible. Remember, today is the fruit of the good old days. And so uh, the Lord speaks to these people in verse 1b, uh, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? Okay, well, it's been 70 years. So anybody that was there would be at least, at least in their 70s. And uh, you say, well, they'd be 70 and above. Well, uh, a kid that was born the year the temple was destroyed wouldn't remember it. How old are they going to be? 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old? And so that puts them up in their late 70s up into their 80s, which means the people that were older than them, well, they're already gone. And so there are not very many people left who saw the temple in its former glory. And then the rebuke, and how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is it not in your eye as nothing? So the older ones, that's what they were saying. This is nothing compared to the way that it used to be. This is nothing compared to how we used to worship and, and what we used to have and the people that we used to have and the resources that we used to have. Well, that was true. That was not a lie. But can you imagine how discouraging that was to the younger people, the younger generation? And so, uh, you know, nobody likes to hear that. I know you're working hard, but this is no big deal compared to what we used to have. See, and if you will think back, older folks, you had some people that did that to you and you didn't appreciate it either. We got to watch this kind of stuff. Turn in your Bible to Ezra 3, 11 through 13, and I want you to see what it was like when they laid the foundation of the temple. Ezra 3, 11 through 13, and they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. Okay, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Nobody would argue with that. Now look what happens. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. This is 16 years before Haggai. Uh, here it is. But many of the priests and the Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first house, the first temple, they wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid, though many shouted aloud for joy, that would be the younger people, they're excited, they're doing something, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping, for the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. Now, was it true that the new temple was smaller? Yes. Was it true that the new temple was not going to be as magnificent and as glorious in its appearance as Solomon's temple? Yes. 
Was it also true they didn't have the craftsmen, they didn't have the workmen to build the temple like Solomon did? Yes, that was true. And is it true also that the people are now poor? Remember at the first chapter, God said to them that uh, you uh, work hard and you earn your wages and it's in a bag full of holes. Uh, The people were poor. They were struggling on some of these things. Yeah, it's not like it used to be, nor will it ever be like it used to be. And so they are, some are shouting and some are weeping. And can you imagine what that would do? Because keep in mind, the age of the people who saw the temple before, they're too old to work on the new temple. It's got to be the younger people that take up the charge and do the work. And how motivated do you think they are to do the work when the old people are saying, this is nothing. What you're doing is nothing compared to what we had. Don't you kind of see a picture in there of what we do so often to young people today? And while it may be true, that doesn't mean that necessarily things were better back in the good old days when we had that temple. Let's think about it. Their religion was corrupt. Their resistance to God's word brought devastation. They were in exile. There was destruction of the temple, the overthrow of the government. And the present day situation is the fruit of what the previous generations had done. Now, see, that ought to humble us. And that ought to make us be encouragers instead of discouragers. And that ought to put everything in to proper perspective. Hey, from God's perspective, it wasn't all that great back in the day when you had Solomon's temple, was it? We've got to be honest. We've got to think about these things in the right way. And so the comparison was a motivation killer for the younger people in the land. And maybe the older people were the real reason that the temple was not built before now. 16 years. Maybe it wasn't the fault of the young. Maybe it was the fault of the old. And they were actually criticizing not the size of the temple, not the work of the young people. Look at this. They were actually criticizing the work of the Lord. He's either sovereign or he's not. He's done his work, and he wasn't all that impressed with the old temple, was he? It it became corrupted. But now there's a chance to start over. Yes, it's small. Yes, it's different. Yes, it's not as impressive. But it might have been more glorious from the aspect of the Lord. And that's what we have to remember. Yeah, we used to be a bigger church. Yeah, we used to have more people. But God's either sovereign or he's not. And so he has us where we are right now. Now it's time for us to move forward. Now it's time for us to reach new people. Now it's time for us to take our programs and reform them and remake them however they need to be for this generation. Now's the time to disciple younger people. And yeah, they're going to make mistakes. And yeah, they're not as skilled at it as you are. But when are they ever going to learn? And how are they going to learn if we don't let them do it? We've got to think differently, just like these old people in the rebuilding of the temple had to think differently in this. It wasn't necessarily better, wasn't necessarily worse and all of that, but it was different, and it was different by the hand and the command of God. We cannot ever forget that. Thirdly, 
all generations need to be engaged in what God is doing now. Boy, there's the operative word, now. It's not so much about what God used to do. It's not so much, we can learn from that. I, I love history, and I love to be encouraged by what God did in the past, but we can't reproduce that. Can you imagine if we were trying to uh, do church like they did, and we want to go back to the first century, and so we don't have any buildings, and we're under persecution, and we don't have any technology to help us, no live stream. We don't even have a photocopier or anything like that at all. We don't have books. They hadn't been uh, really invented, or they were too expensive to use in. I mean, what is it we really are trying to do? We live here, and we live now, and we need to be involved in what God is doing now. So these old people, they did nobody any good by moaning and complaining and whining and talking and reminiscing about how it used to be, okay? So the Lord says in verse 4, Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work. See, you can't work in the past, and you can't work in the future. The only place you can work is in the now. And that's the word, work, says the Lord of hosts. So, of course, as we've already mentioned, the younger people were going to be doing that. And the older, better temple was destroyed 70 years ago. And, um, you know, how old would the people be who would remember the former temple? Well, pretty old, right? So the younger people, the, the, the weight is upon them to get this done. And so I get the idea that instead of being a, a fire beneath them and the wind beneath their wings, oh, I hate that song, um, the older people were a drag. The older people were like a ball and chain. The older people were, were just discouraging. God help us if we ever become like that. I hope we're not. And the younger people received the critical comparisons and were obviously discouraged. I mean, if you're a younger person working, putting up the blocks on the temple, and all you hear is that's nothing like it used to be, what's a younger person supposed to think? This must be my fault. This must be because of me. This must be because of something I've done. No, it's not, young person. It's because of what those old people did and what their generations did. That's the only reason you have to rebuild this temple. Get it? I mean, that's an important point. And so God was not impressed with the older, bigger, better temple, right? Number four, the only past, quote unquote, that matters is the promises of God. See, your past is tainted. Your past is sinful. Your past is not as great as, it, as you thought it was and not as fun as you thought it was. I mean, if, if you want to try to get the old gang together and get the old cars, and go to the old malt shop, and do all of that kind of stuff. Try it now in your 60s. Try it now in your 70s, or in your 80s. It won't be near as fun as it was when you were 15, or 16, or 17, or 20. Times are different. You're different. All of the people are different. Situations are different. You've had a ton of life experiences. There was a time when you went, and you got a 
a hamburger at the local hamburger joint, and you thought that was the greatest thing in the world. But since then, you've had steak, lobster, filet mignon. You've traveled different places, been a lot of places. And now the old hamburger joint doesn't, it's not, it's good, but it's not like it used to be, we always say. Haven't you noticed those kind of things? It's just not like it used to be. It's not supposed to be like it used to be. God is moving on and God is changing and moving ahead and we need to be going with him. The only pass that matters are the promises of God. Look at verse 5. This is according to the word that I covenanted with you with you, those people then, they weren't alive when the slaves came out of Egypt, but he's talking to them saying, you are the descendants of them and I will be true to my word just as I was when I brought your ancestors out of Egypt. When you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. There's the key. So my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. It's not about you. And it's not about the past. And it's not about your resources. It's not about what you can or cannot do. It's about the presence of the Lord with us. Because that's really all we need. And that is the greatest, most powerful, richest thing in the universe, the presence of the Lord. Do not fear. Kind of tells you that maybe... Some of the older people were afraid. Maybe the younger people would do a better job than they did. Maybe the younger people would be more faithful to God than they were. I mean, it's easy to get like that and to kind of feel threatened by those things. And the Lord says to everybody, whatever your situation may be, religious, political, or just an everyday person, old or young, there's no reason to compete. Work together. Teach. Train, love, encourage, exhort, build up, all of those kind of things. And younger people should do that for older people too, by the way. All of this is supposed to be together because the key is, do we have the Spirit of God with us still? And the answer, of course, is yes. He never leaves us or forsakes us. So we've got everything that we need, even in this generation. Now, granted, did I like the old days better in terms of, well, I understood the music better and liked it better. I understood the fashions, you know, and that kind of thing because I was a part of all of it. And uh, boy, it was sure nice back then not to have to deal with drag queen story hour or transgender things or that kind of stuff. People weren't killing themselves to the extent that they are now. Yeah, yeah, in some ways that was better. Wish we could bring some of that forward. But we are called to minister here and to minister now. And we've been equipped for it and we have been made ready for all of this so that we can have impact until the day we draw our last breath because we want to be prayer warriors. We want to be encouragers. And so God reminds him of his faithfulness going all the way back to the exodus from Egypt. Israel never was that faithful, but God always was. And so for us, God has always been faithful. This church has had numerous occasions where it could have and should have shut down. But we're still here, so what are we going to do? 
look back with longing eyes at the past? No, remember it fondly, be grateful for it. But we are here now, and we've got the Lord with us now. Now let's move ahead. Let's get the work done and do what we're supposed to do. God is faithful to us. And he affirms, God does, that he is working among them now, even though the temple was smaller and less impressive. That doesn't, that's no sign of the work of God or the presence of God. He does things many times through small things. So do not fear, because God's work is not based on human ability or resources, but God's presence and promises. Amen. Let that sink in. Boy, that's a big statement. So we conclude by saying, don't be a motivation killer to those who are younger. Pray for them, help them, and encourage them. And remember, this younger generation was reared by you. They are the fruits of the good old days. And so as we think about that and think about this world, we look at all of this and say, okay, that was then, now is now, what can we do? Well, we're reminded that in the book of Philippians, Paul tells us that he who has begun a good work in you will not forsake you until the work is completed, right? And he also tells us that we need to forget what is behind, but we need to look ahead where Christ is, and we need to press on to the mark of the high calling of Jesus. So let's, let's not go to heaven, whenever that might be, looking back in the rearview mirror. Let's look ahead. A glance back is fine every once in a while, but let's look ahead and let's encourage one another. Let's help one another. Let's pray for one another and let's be enthusiastic for one another. It may not be your particular thing. It may not be according to your particular taste. It may not be anything the way that you would do it. Well, that's okay because somebody said that about you at one time as well. And we're still here. Let's press on to the mark of the high calling of Christ and let's trust God for greater days to be ahead and let's not be joy killers as we grow older. Let's be joy givers as time goes by because we have seen God do great things. Let's anticipate him doing them again in this age and for this generation. Thank you for your time. Thank you for watching and keeping up with this if you're doing that. And thank you, teachers, for the work that you do in your class. May this message spread to them and through them for the glory of God. God bless and thank you again.